read our scripture lesson for this morning, just a quick word about what we're doing during the season of Advent. Um, As you can see from the little subtitle there, Advent with the Prophets. So we're going to be spending the next four weeks looking at the prophetic passages or some of the prophetic passages that come up during this time of year. Um, They often kind of hang out in the background of the Advent season, but we don't talk too much about them. Uh, It's a reminder that Advent hope, Advent longing and expectation begins a long time before Christ shows up, and that the prophets continue to speak to us here in this present moment. So, for this first Sunday of Advent, we'll look at Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Listen now for God's word to you. A shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall lie with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den." They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I heard a story not too long ago about a young boy who was afraid of the dark, as many of us were when we were younger. Afraid of the dark, petrified of the dark. He took every opportunity to avoid being in the dark. Until that one fateful night where his mother asked him to go out into the darkness and to grab the broom off the porch and to bring it back inside. The little boy hesitated and he started crying, telling his mother how afraid he was. And and she said, son, you don't have to be afraid. There's nothing in the dark that will hurt you. But he was insistent about how afraid he was. And so she said, well, Jesus is everywhere. Do you believe that Jesus will take care of you? He's out there in the dark. The boy looked confused for a moment, and and he said, Are you sure Jesus is out there, Mom? She said, Yes, Jesus is out there. So the boy kind of walked slowly to the front door, and he opened up the screen door, and he shouted out into the darkness, Jesus, if you're out there, could you hand me the broom? We've all been in the position of that little boy at one point or another in our lives. Many of us, when we were younger, we had this fear of the dark, why we have nightlights for children. And most of us, as we grow up, we grow out of this fear of the dark, although not all of us. Some of us are still afraid of the dark. Many of us, I guess the study reports that many of us are still afraid to walk around our homes in the dark without any light on. Uh, A study from several years ago in the United Kingdom revealed that as much as 40% of British adults are afraid to walk around their house in the dark. And as many as 10% of them refused to get out of bed if they heard a noise, they were going to hide themselves in the dark. 
we all have this fear of the dark, but it's sort of a, an indirect fear, right? We're not afraid of the dark per se, but we're afraid of what the dark masks and hides from us, what might be lurking in the shadows, what's hiding in that creepy part of the basement where all our Christmas decorations just got dragged out of. Little kids are afraid of monsters under their bed or in the closet, right? Um, I know for me, I was petrified of driving through rural Missouri at nighttime, driving through all of those farm fields with no city lights around. Felt like I was driving through a void and I had convinced myself that at any moment, going 80 miles an hour, that a deer was going to jump out in front of my car. Of course, that wasn't an unrealistic fear. That happened to a lot of people in rural Missouri. But we're uh, afraid of the dark. There's this common fear. And Advent begins in the dark. We heard those words as we lit the Advent wreath, the first candle of the Advent wreath this morning, that Advent begins in the dark. And we'll hear that over the next few weeks again and again. Advent begins in the dark. And this is literally true. This is the darkest time of year, right? The, the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting longer, and this is going to continue that way for the next few weeks until we get to that longest night of the year. Most of Advent happens in this darkest time of year. One of the things that helps me is to have all of the Christmas lights and decorations outside of people's homes or even having the Christmas tree up in my house. I told Heather last weekend that I was, I was insistent that even though we were busy, we didn't really have time for it, that we set up our Christmas tree. I know for some of you that I'm late to the game. You've had your Christmas tree set up since the last trick-or-treater left on Halloween. And others of you, I'm way ahead of where you are currently. But we set up our Christmas tree and we've had the lights on for that and it was fun setting up the Christmas tree, especially with my kids being the age that they are. Um, Axel, for the first time, was able to hang his own ornaments without our help. And of course, all of his favorites ended up in one clump in one part of the tree. Um, I also got to watch Nora, who's obsessed with babies, get really excited when the nativity scene came out. Baby, baby, she would say, as she looked at the baby Jesus in the manger. And uh, we even found her sleeping that night. She had stolen the baby Jesus, and he was clasped in her hand as she went to sleep. <laughs> Uh, we also got to hear Axel's renditions of what, Christmas, what he would do if he was in the Christmas story. Like if he was one of the wise men, we asked him, what would you bring to baby Jesus? And he said, a gravedigger monster truck. <laughs> Whatever he newborn needs. I'm sure Mary would have appreciated that gift for Jesus, right? Uh, just as much as she appreciated that drum solo from the little drummer boy. Uh, but Advent begins in the dark. And not just in the literal darkness that is around us at this time of year, but in this sort of metaphorical darkness, this metaphorical darkness that lies in the backdrop of Isaiah's words for us here this morning, that Isaiah speaks these words as a political national crisis looms on the horizon. The Assyrian army is at the doorstep of the tiny little nation of Judah that he lives in. So remember, within biblical history, you have the United Kingdom of Israel, and it splits into two with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. This is where Isaiah lives. And the Assyrian army has already destroyed that tiny little nation of Israel. And now Judah is next. There's destruction, annihilation looming on the horizon. I heard someone describe it this week as the first holocaust of the Jews. And I don't think that's an overstatement. That little nation of Israel, you've heard of the ten lost tribes of Israel? That's that community. They're all gone. And so Isaiah speaks these words of hope 
against this backdrop of darkness. And honestly, to me, this gives Isaiah a little bit of credibility. It's not like he's speaking about hope and possibility at a riverside retreat center somewhere or in an ivory tower. He's speaking about hope sort of in the midst of everything, in the, in the thick of life amidst all of the worst things that life can throw our way. And as I I come to Advent this year, I I find myself especially aware of the sort of darkness that lies in the background of Isaiah's words. I'm aware of the darkness that sort of exists in our own personal lives. And I'm especially aware of the the prayer list that that seems to be growing, the, the health issues that exist for ourselves, for those that we love, the questions of waiting in the hospital, the grief that exists, sometimes those painful memories, those painful anniversaries that exist during this time of year, that for those who going home may not be an easy thing, the grief that kind of lies in the background right now. I know, too, that with the increased darkness that exists around us, that it can increase issues with depression and mental health. I I know for others, the future might feel uncertain. That creates a lot of anxiety. Advent begins in the dark. But we also have been paying attention to the headlines, haven't we? We know about the darkness of war and violence that exists around us. We've watched for almost two years now as war has raged in Ukraine. We've seen, too, in the last months the the war in Israel and Palestine. These once shining cities now under occupation or destroyed. Gaza City, which already struggled, lying in ruins, or hostages waiting for release all this lying in the background. Within our own communities, too, there are people who struggle with food insecurity or economic availability, that they struggle to pay the bills or put food on the table. I know that many of us were incredibly moved and fulfilled being able to pack food for Rise Against Hunger a few weeks ago, and we should be fulfilled by that. But it also reminds me that so many in our world, the ability to put food on the table is reliant upon the charity and the goodwill of others. And likewise, for those of us who attended the Social Justice Lunch and Learn back at the beginning of November, we were moved by that presentation from Aaron Preston Johnson from the Detroit Black Farmers Land Fund. And it was a moving presentation, but also reminds me that organizations like this exist because of this history of racial injustice that continues on into the present. We heard, too, a few weeks ago of all of the the things our Climate Action Now team is accomplishing, the the golf outing, the money that was raised. There's also this question lying in the background of why we have to do all this, this question at the heart of the human species of what is our future going to look like. Advent begins in the darkness. And Isaiah knows this. Isaiah knows that Advent begins in the darkness, and this is why he holds on to the light for us. This is what any good prophet does. They hold on to the light. They keep our eyes fixed ahead. Sometimes the prophets are kind of known for thundering out at injustice and inequality, and rightfully so. But at the heart of all of their thundering out is this orienting the people of God in hope towards what is coming, towards what is breaking into the world. Sometimes the prophets get confused as being kind of fortune tellers, as if they had a a crystal ball or could read palms or something like that. But I'm not sure how helpful that would have been to people living through that political crisis. Think about you living through the Assyrians standing on your doorstep and some prophet says, well, 700 years from now, a baby is going to be born in a manger outside of Bethlehem. Great. Great. 
right? The prophets are future-oriented, but on the sense of predicting the future and in the sense of being able to cast a vision, to fix our eyes and hope towards the possibilities of God breaking into our world. And this is exactly what Isaiah does here for us this morning. He casts a vision, a vision that is shimmering and glimmering with light. We heard it just a few moments ago. A vision of a king on on his throne, and he is filled with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding. And that spirit that rests on this king allows him to essentially enact a, a great social revolution that he judges with equity for the poor and with, or with righteousness for the poor and equity for the meek of the earth. And he ushers in this unparalleled reign of peace. And in, that reign of peace not only has an effect on we as, on us as human beings and on our social relationships, but it has an effect on the natural world itself. We have these visions of predators and prey kind of making up communities together snuggling up at night to keep each other warm, children playing over the holes of venomous snakes and not being bitten. There is so much going on in this beautiful, shining image. I'm not exactly sure where to look at first, but this image sort of reminds me of this tradition my siblings and I had with my grandparents when we were much younger, that every year in this lead-up to Christmas, they would always take us through one of those drive-through light displays, you know the ones I'm talking about? all of those shining images and figures of Christmas, and we'd all pile into my grandparents' station wagon, and we'd always fight over who got to sit in those pop-up seats in the back, in the trunk. You remember those? The, un, the, the, the opportunity to sit facing the back of the car, what a great thing that was. And they would take us through the light show, and I would be mesmerized by all the dazzling displays of snowmen and Santa Claus and children having snowball fights or skating on ice rinks. I wasn't sure where to look. And I feel the same way as I come to this passage from Isaiah. I'm not exactly sure where to look. Then it grabs my attention. That opening line of this passage, that a shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse. Shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse. It's a, a visually stunning image. We can sort of picture it in our minds. This stump sitting there in the ground, it's been there for a long time. It's deader than dead. And then uh, a shoot comes out of it and branches start to, to leaf off from it. The impossible happens. This new life emerging from this place of death. Hope emerging from places of despair. Righteousness emerging from unrighteousness, justice from inequity, light shining in the darkness. You know, I think I need a reminder of that this year, that as Advent begins in the dark, it doesn't stay in the dark, that the light and the love of God is always ready to burst into our world, that hope is only necessary when things feel hard, that hope is only necessary against this backdrop maybe of illnesses or of the world not looking how we might imagine it to look. We hold on to hope because we believe a different possibility is there for us. I had this classmate in seminary who was a second career student. Uh, In his first career, he was a singer-songwriter who claimed to have toured around the world. I think he kind of overblew his sense of self-importance. He thought he was a rock star. Uh, Maybe. And in one of his songs, he had a lyric that said, don't let your eyes adjust to the dark. Don't let your eyes adjust to the dark. 
Look for the light and the love of God getting ready to burst into the world. The, the shoot that is rising from the stump. The, the impossibilities that are emerging all around us. The, the goodness and love and liberation and wholeness of God shimmering against the backdrop of darkness. Perhaps Isaiah encourages us to look and to see where the light is bursting into our world even now. Where the, the shoot is rising from the stump. I can tell you where I can see it. I can see it in all of those who have been hurt and wounded and injured by religion who find the courage to once again cross the threshold of a church and to meet a community who loves and cares for them and a God who loves them even more. A shoot rises from the stump and the light shines in the darkness. I can see it in all of those who are able to heal the wounds and the injuries of the past to be their whole true selves. That a, a shoot rises from the stump and a light shines in the darkness. That I can, I can see it in a community of people who say, there is no issue that's too big for us. We'll take it all on. It doesn't matter what it is, the climate crisis, uh, drug, gun violence, food insecurity, racial injustice. We believe we can do something about it. A shoot rises from the stump and a light shines in the darkness. I can, I can see it in those moments where one of us is hurting and we all experience that hurt and pain along with them. I can see it in the, the phone calls, the hospital visits, the cards that are sent. A shoot rises from the stump and the light shines in the darkness. And I can see it in a child who is about to be born on the edges of the most powerful empire on earth. A shoot rises from the stump and the light shines in the darkness. Amen.